0: Well, good morning, good morning, and uh, I'm going old school today, I, I, I didn't type out my notes, which is good and bad, it's good because I can't mess up and scroll too far ahead, but the bad news is I have to try and read my own handwriting, so uh, I might still struggle anyway, um, but uh, it's great to be back uh, in the house of the Lord, um, great to have you all here. Um, I want to start off by giving you some statistics on uh, suicide rates in our country. From 1981 to 2004, the suicide rates were 28,000 in 1981, going up to 32,000 in 2004. So over that 23-year span, there was an increase of 4,000 suicides per year. From 2004 to 2016, the numbers went from 32,000 to 45,000. So in just a 12-year span, it went up 13,000 suicides. There's a dramatic difference. In fact, I, I, I have a, a picture on my phone of the chart that, that shows us. And the, From 81 to 2004, it kind of just little ups and downs here and there. But then as soon as it gets to 2006, somewhere in there, it just shoots straight up. 2004, it, it's like a 45 degree angle just going straight up. And you wonder... What caused that spike? Well, something else major happened in our society in two thousand and four, and that was the um, the invention of Facebook. Facebook. Um, it started out as just a, a little social media thing for um, college kids, right? But then in 2006, it opened up to the whole country. And that's when we start seeing our suicide rates increase drastically. So they've shown that there's a direct correlation between how much time somebody spends on Facebook and depression. And we wonder, why is that? Why is that? because people think they're special that that's what it is people think they're special people think what they believe and what they think and their thoughts they think that those things matter this is how facebook works i like i said it used to be for college kids before it opened up to the the whole world um and then parents and grandparents started using it, sharing pictures of family, uh, events, things like that. Um, but here's what happens now. People will go on this this Facebook, and they'll put something on there, they'll type something, a long uh, uh, paragraph about their thoughts, what they think. Because they feel like, Everybody needs to know what's going on in my head at every moment. And the topics can range from religion to politics to um, how to raise your kids to the best pizza place. People have their thoughts and they want to share them with everybody. And then what happens is their internet friends can decide, they can click a button and they can say, okay, well, I like that comment. Or, That I love that comment, or that comment makes me angry. There's all these emotions that they can attach to it. So what happens is that person who posted their thoughts will go back online. They'll just keep going back online to see what everybody thinks of their thoughts. Um, And here's what here's what happens. As you can imagine, the more people that like what you say, the better it makes them feel. Right? You keep going on, oh, only 10 people have liked it in an hour, that's awful. And you, you keep going back online, keep going online, keep going on, just to see. Because it makes you feel good when other people agree with you. It makes you feel good when other people like what you have to say. And this, this feeling is similar to what gamblers feel. A gambler, uh, when he's waiting for that next card to be flipped over, there's this... Feeling that they get inside, or, or when they pull that lever on the slot machine, they're watching the uh, the numbers or the, the cherries or whatever they are spin around, waiting for them to stop. This this, this it, it builds up inside. The excitement builds up. It's called uh, it, your body releases a chemical called dopamine, and your body can become addicted to this. And that's what happens in Facebook or other social media outlets, just like in, in, in gambling. We become addicted to that feeling of of uh, is something good about to happen? Am I about to win money? Is somebody about to like my comment? Is somebody about to, to tell me, "Oh, you're spot on with that one"? We 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 desire the, this uh, feedback in a positive manner. But what happens when people don't like what we have to say, or even worse, they disagree with it? You know, it's one thing to have it ignored. But to have somebody disagree with it, it hurts you, right? It makes makes us question ourselves. Okay, well, I thought this, but this person I barely know seems to think that I'm wrong about it, so maybe I need to rethink what I had to say. makes us angry. How could somebody vote for him, right? I can't even talk to that person anymore. Because of the way they think, I don't even want to have anything to do with them. So, for people that are struggling with this, or people that are struggling with people not, other people not accepting their thoughts, there's good news. Your thoughts don't matter. They don't matter. We're going to be in um, Isaiah 55 today. A couple of weeks back, we were, we were discussing the ten plagues in our Wednesday night kaya service. And uh, we talked about how uh, each plague that God uh, brought upon the Egyptians was a direct attack on each one of their gods, right? They, he, he basically picked out ten of their gods, and he showed his power over each one of them. And we had asked the question, well, why did God do that? That's not how... I would have done it, right? I would have just turned him into a frog right away. Turn the pharaoh into a frog. What's he going to do? He's got to let the people go. But that's not what God's plan was. And uh, so, Bud, uh, he he came back the next week and he said that he had asked his wife about that. He said, "What? Why? Why didn't the pharaoh just, or why? Why didn't God just, what, kill the pharaoh? Or, 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 or with one plague, he could have stopped everything." But it's not what he did. And what did she call you, bud? She called him ignorant. <laughs> so, it, but it's true. We, we, we don't think the same way that God thinks. We, 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 and we're not supposed to. God has his own ways, and they're different than ours. I only have two verses for you today. It's Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for another day in your house. Lord, we just love coming together to, to, to worship you. Um, it's the highlight of my day, and I know it is for everybody else. Um, we just, uh, want to feel your presence, Lord. We we want you to teach us what it is that you want us to know, Lord. We, we, we don't understand all of your ways, and, and, and we just want a little bit of insight into how you, um, how you want us to live our lives. You know, we have our own ideas, and, but we know our ideas are not good. Everything about us is bad, Lord, and we just would pray that you would show us the way that you would have us live. Lord, uh, be with us today and, and, and speak to us as your servants are listening, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, And nothing could be more clearer in that than salvation, right? The way that God chose uh, to bring us back to him, to, the, the way that he chose uh, for us to, to find redemption uh, is not a way that we would have done it. There's much easier ways. If it was me, I would have just said, okay. Everybody that asks for forgiveness, you will be forgiven. It seems like an easy way to do it. But that's not what he did. That's how your brain works and my brain works. Very simpler terms. For instance, if I lent you my lawnmower and you broke it, how is me burning down my own house going to help me forgive you for breaking my lawnmower? It doesn't... It doesn't make sense to us. But to God, it's his way. God gave us life and a spirit. And we're responsible for them. But they still belong to him. Our lives and our spirit belong to God. We're responsible for them while we're here. But he gave them to us so that we could have fellowship with him. So we can have a relationship with God. But through our sin... We've broken that relationship, right? We've created a separation. Why is there separation? Because God is perfect. He can't be around sin. But because we become sin, now there's a divide between us. So he had to come up with a way to fix our fractured relationship. God's solution is a lot different than ours. He decided, I'm going to send my son to earth. And he's going to live the perfect life. Do you know how hard that is to live the perfect life? We can't live a perfect hour. He lived 33 perfect years. Only to die a brutal death. Because of the things you and I do wrong. That was God's solution. It, 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 it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense that he would do that. Why, why not just say... I'll forgive whoever says they're sorry. It it seems much simpler that way, but that's not the way God thinks. Another thing that doesn't make sense is that it's free. Salvation is free to us. Anyone who believes, it is free too. We believe in our society that you work for what you get. We're kind of going away from that. People are starting to just want things handed to them. But it, 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 maybe, we'll, maybe we're on the, the brink of a, a revival. Everybody wants free things and, and salvation is free. But we think that we need to work for what we get. We think that we, if we don't work for it, if we don't earn it, that we don't deserve it. Well, we don't deserve salvation. God gives it to us. We don't deserve it. What we deserve is death. What we deserve is what Christ suffered for us. So we can't work for it. It's free. Neither one of those makes sense to me. But it's God's ways. And God says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. So, if we were made in God's image, why don't we think like God thinks? We were made in his image, right? So why aren't we closer in thought to God? I have some Play-Doh here. I bought this morning at uh, the dollar store, Dollar General. Three dollars. I think that's a pretty good deal. If you're looking to replenish your Play-Doh supply. Um, They got a pretty good deal over there. Um, But look at verse 9 again. Look at verse 9. It says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Think, think about that. Think about how much higher the heavens are than earth. He's saying that his thoughts are so far beyond ours, we, we, they're in the heavens. The sun... The sun is 92 million miles away from us. 92 million miles. And that's not even the outer part of heaven. Right? God's saying that that's how much higher his thoughts are than ours. He created our DNA. Created our DNA. So of course, somebody that can to create something that drastic that that amazing is going to be more powerful than us right it's going to be far superior than us I did not do well in art class by the way there we go so he created our DNA what, what makes us individuals he created that and it's so complicated that if you put your DNA strands in a line. If you stack them on top of each other, they would go from the earth to the sun and back. 600 times. That, that, that's how amazing. And he put that all inside of us. And we think that we're special because we created electricity. He must be thinking, oh, that, that, that's cute. You create electricity. He's so far superior to anything we can do. We are created beings. He is the creator. Now, I've created a little being myself. I'm not talking about my daughters. This little clay being here. I chose blue so that I didn't... Uh, if you can't tell, it's a person. Made him in my own image. He's bald. Got a couple legs and a couple arms. Now I want you to think about the difference between me and him. Think about how vastly superior I am than him. Who is he to talk back to me? Who is he... To tell me that my ways are wrong. doesn't make any sense, right? That's the same distance that we are from God. that's That's the gap between God's thoughts and our thoughts. Does that make sense? I'm the creator. He's the created being. In our case, God is our creator. We have no business second-guessing his word. We have no business changing his word. We have no business saying, well, this is probably what he meant. He said what he meant. I'll put him right here. I can crush him. I can crush him. That's what God can do too. But he chooses not to. <laughs> put him back in here. So, that, that that's the difference. So, you know, of course we're not going to think the same that God thinks. He He created us. He is a far superior being than we are. The third thing I, I want to take out of this is don't ever change the word of God. We should never change the word of God. Like I just said, these, this is God's word, not ours. We have no business changing His Word. There's three reasons that I can think of that someone would misrepresent the Word of God. The first is that they don't have the Holy Spirit. If this is the case, they they might not even know that they are misrepresenting the Word of God. They might not know that they're changing the Word of God. Um, And you have to be careful who you listen to. In Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1 it says, guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools for they do not know they are doing evil. I love that so many of you all bring your Bibles to church. I, I, I think it's very important that you bring them, you read them, you're fact-checking the things that I say. Um, because you can't rely on me To be right. Your salvation is yours. It's so precious, so important, you should never put that in the hands of someone else. That's something that you need to take ownership of. Look what it says. It says, guard your footsteps as you go to the house of the Lord. It's saying, don't be trusting. Be guarding. Make sure that what you're hearing is right. Listen to it. Bring your Bibles and fact check. Like, I, I would never intentionally lead you wrong, but your soul is your responsibility. Kate, Kate will tell you, we, we went to a church um, in Pennsylvania when we were visiting family. And I think the only two Bibles in the church were the, the preachers and mine. And I, he said something that I thought, that doesn't sound right. So I spent the rest of the sermon flipping through my, my Bible until I found uh, the scripture that I was looking for. And when we got home, I told Kate, I said, that was wrong. He, 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 was, he was talking about angels or something like that. And I, I said, he, he did not present the word in the way it should have been made, but it fit his narrative of um, his angel theme. And I think I upset uh, the person whose church it was, was one of my parents, and we went to her church, and um, I think it upset her that I (laughs) said something about it. But it's important that we take our own responsibility when it comes to our salvation. Don't let somebody else just tell you what the word means. It should be something that we can read and understand on our own. And if we can't understand on our own... Read commentaries. I, I read commentaries. all i got a stack like this of just commentaries. I, I love looking through. If something doesn't quite jive with me, I can feel that. I can feel that it's not, I don't think this is quite right. God will speak to you. God will touch your heart and let you know when something isn't right. The second reason is they think they know better. They, 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 they may say things like, well, times have changed. That's the way it used to be back then. But, but, but times have changed. God called this a sin uh, back then because of what was going on in the world. But right now, times have changed. It's not a sin anymore. There's a preacher that I love listening to. He, he's, a, he's a pastor at a, a Lily Grove Baptist Church. And it, it, the first thing he does when he steps into the pulpit, the very first thing he does is he quotes Isaiah Chapter 40, verse 8 says, the grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Every single time. That, 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 as soon as he gets in the pulpit, that's what he says. And then he begins his, his sermon. And that's just a great reminder that God's word never changes. God never changes. The only thing that changes is us. We change All the time. And we want to try and make God's word fit how we feel. We want to make God's word fit our thoughts. But as we've said, our thoughts don't matter. It's God's thoughts that matter. And finally, the one that I think is is probably the most dangerous is the people pleaser. This is the preacher that will change the word of God even though they know better just to make others feel comfortable. This is a very dangerous act. They'll say things like, no, don't, there's no hell. Everyone goes to heaven because Jesus died for everybody's sins. Nobody's going to hell. But meanwhile, Matthew I, this is actually what I was going to preach on today, but I just God laid this on my heart. I, I've been studying this for four days this week, and I and I thought I was going to be preaching on it. And then uh sometimes God just changes you. Uh but in verse Matthew 13 uh, Verse 37 through 30, or 37 through 43, he's explaining. The, the, the parable of the wheat and the tares and basically what the parable of the wheat and the tares are was uh, this farmer he, he planted all this uh, good wheat but then when he was asleep uh, the devil comes in and plants tares or weeds and the the, um, the, the farm hands who are actually angels ask should we go in and take the the, the tares out and the, the, the farmer said, no, don't take the tares out because you will uproot the, the good wheat. So, so leave them there. And then at the time of harvest. So he, the, the um, disciples asked Jesus what he meant by that. And, and let me just read this to you. In his answer, he said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the Father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. If you can't see that in the end of days, there's going to be a separation between the, the lost and the saved through this scripture, then you're not reading it properly or you're making things up just so everybody feels better. And that's a very dangerous thing to do. But they do this because they want people to like them, just like on Facebook. People want, they want positive reactions. They want positive feedback. They want to be liked by everybody. So they tell them what they want them to hear. Very dangerous thing to do. You might think, well, how can somebody sleep at night if they're purposely leading somebody in the wrong direction? If they're purposely telling somebody lies about the Word of God? It's the same reason people put things on social media, they want people to like what they say. We live in a society that wants to, to be loved and accepted at all costs. Even if that comes at the price of someone else's salvation. It's a dangerous game to play. That's why I, I, I don't particularly care for um, uh, themed messages. What are those called? Topical. I, I, don't, I don't particularly care for topical messages because I feel like that's somebody that has an agenda and they'll pick out scriptures from here and there and they'll try and make their narrative fit. And, and I, I don't like that. I, I believe we should read the Word of God for what it is, break it down, learn from it, and then apply that to our lives. Um, it's just a dangerous thing to do. You have to be very careful when you do topical messages but we need to remember that God's thoughts and his ways are far above ours or anyone else's we may not understand or even like God's ways but he is the creator and his thoughts are the only ones that matter